I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch says you're really more of a dog person. Yeah, let's let's just introduce what this is. So, yeah. what we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course around that theme, typically. And typically, for the last three Mays, what we've done is musical May. And each with, like, a mini theme. So, we did, like, musicals that neither of us had ever seen before. And classic musicals. And, like, musicals that both of us knew that we liked, that we wanted to talk about. We did that, Peter, because coming into the show... Uh, you were a little bit country. I was a little bit rock and roll. You said, I don't like musicals. And I said, but musicals are good. <laughs> and uh, just like that, we uh, were fast friends because no one else wanted to talk to us. Um, so we, uh, we started doing musicals and eventually you came around on musicals. Was that I fair did, to say? Because of this show, uh, because of uh, our, our, the producer, Carrie Nelson. Um, she's now just going to be credited as the producer, um, because, uh, this, the, the, way that we were allowed to mix in and out of different eras of musicals, I have found myself to, to be a fan of the genre overall now. So this is not coming from anything I say in the next two hours is not coming from a place of hate. Yeah. I would say though, if you want to unmake someone a fan of this genre, I have a great movie to show them. Uh, but yeah. So oh, yeah. If you showed this to me, I would have been like, I, I would have been put off for musicals for a few years. Um, and Forever. Me, yeah. And I, and I think it's, it might be uh, interesting to note here when we first started doing musical may for whatever reason, I, I my, uh, my wife has, has an attachment, but understands that they have, they have some problems to a couple very bad, uh, big budget musicals. One of which is the Phantom of the opera one. Yeah. Um, and the other is, uh, I don't know if this is like regarded as bad, but uh, Across the Universe. Oh, Across the Universe is a movie I like quite a bit that is regarded as bad. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't I know so many people that love it that I wasn't sure where it landed in terms of like the consensus. But anyways, I watched both of those uh, movies I considered uh, unwatchable, uh, bloated, fat, ugly messes. <laughs> Uh, when we were first on the rise of Musical Maze and we were first checking okay. out different musical time periods and eras. And uh, th the combination of a bad Andrew Lloyd Webber adaptation and a bad sort of jukebox musical uh, really almost killed Almost killed my interest. Deadness tracks. You didn't like them as a kid because you wanted. We talked about this quite a bit. You liked. You wanted gory punch em ups and big boy stuff, and you felt like uh, musicals were little baby boy stuff. Like, why are they singing? It doesn't make any sense. I don't like this. And yeah, but you came around. And I remember after just our first musical May, you texted me like, "I'm watching Chicago and loving it. I don't know what's wrong with me." So, and I've even heard now that Chicago is somewhat controversial as a good musical. Uh, uh, but I enjoy it every minute. I, yeah, I like it. It is uh, – it. Rob Marshall has a complicated, I think, rela relationship with uh, people that like musicals. And I would also say here's always the problem with any sort of uh, big Broadway hit that people like. So there's the group of people that don't think it should have ever been a Broadway hit. And then there's people that have seen the musical performed on Broadway and feel like the movie doesn't do it justice. That's a very – just like uh, – 
adapting a much-loved book, uh, adapting Broadway musicals to film has... Uh, has a very low track record of general cons- uh, success. Yeah. Chicago, which won Best Picture, is one that I think people felt like, oh, this actually captures a lot of the musicals. So even some musicals that yeah. I love, like I've actually seen uh, Jesus Christ Superstar uh, performed by uh, Traveling Broadway before I saw the movie version, and I like both. And also, just side note, looking at the credits, maybe the only Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, musical I like without reservations. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so we but we did it three three month three years in a row. We did a musical May. And this year we had another idea, and this year's kind of been a little bit of like taking a break from things that we've done uh, repeatedly, just to to kind of freshen up the show a little bit for us. So we did something different, and then lo and behold, a musical comes along that uh, unites, I think, everyone in in wanting to talk about it. Uh, and so yeah, we we are jumping on very late to the bandwagon of every. Uh, movie or movie adjacent podcast doing a cats episode we're like well we have an extra week in in june uh so there's like five tuesdays which went normally when we release like yeah let's let's do it let's 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 comply with the mandated yeah uh directive of everyone doing a cats episode but also i, I wanted also to do think, it- like i've i've read I've, a lot of ink has been spilled about cats a lot of tweets have been tweeted um, and I, I don't feel like even through all that, I got a a good grasp of what it is. It is sort of an ineffable, uh, an ineffable thing. It's hard to it's hard for people to boil down. So like some amount of this is just plain like plum curiosity. Plum curiosity is probably one of the names of the cats. <laughs> I think also they use the word ineffable a lot. Um, but the, the this is not a bad movie podcast. This is us genuinely trying to figure out what the fuck, what has God wrought? And also, yeah, I was very curious because I also wanted to know if like I could separate the movie adaptation from the songs and the general like, sure, it's a bad like they tried to do a insane special effects related way to create this movie. And that is what everyone's laughing at. But, um, but you know, I'll, I've, I've never seen cats. I've never seen uh, it performed as a play. I've never seen, uh, there was a kind of a recording of a Broadway uh, show that uh, was released on, on video and DVD. And um, I think in the late nineties that I know a few of my friends uh, had never seen that. I don't really know this. Yeah. My dad had that. He was, uh, my dad's super into, if you see him, he, it doesn't look like it, but my dad was like an engineering dash business guy. And then a musical guy. And he just looks like any traditional Midwestern dad. He's just really into musicals. Yeah, I mean, you can't tell by looking at someone whether they're into musicals, <laughs> Peter. I just mean he looks like he's someone who would have very strong feelings against musicals. Because like you're like, that. well, I'm assuming he hates it because he's wearing a business suit as opposed to Joseph's Technicolor dream coat. So it's more that it's more that he just looks like the kind of guy who would hate it. Who hates on, you fun, know, like. On a sort of a dumb masculinity grounds, but my dad's not that kind of guy. No, so yeah, I so I've heard a couple songs from Cats, and I never liked them. Um, 
But I definitely, you know, I definitely don't know, know the story of Cats. Spoiler alert! After seeing the movie, I'm still not entirely sure I understand the the story to Cats. It feels like people just yell a bunch of names for two hours, yeah. and then someone gets sacrificed into a hot air balloon. My wife all uh, the read the Wikipedia RPG. summary to me while we were like about five or ten minutes in, because I was like, "What is happening?" And we paused the movie. She read the Wikipedia summary to me, and it didn't help. Yeah, I looked it up after because I, I honestly, I remember at one point I had to pause it, and there was I was fifty minutes into it, and I'm like, okay, I, I thought that the fifty minutes actually went very fast because I'm watching it going. All right, at some point, someone's going to circle around and explain what the fuck's going on, right? I must be like 10 minutes. Maybe this is just a long extended opening number. And then I'm like, huh, I'm halfway done. I have no idea who any of these people are. Uh, I'm forgetting half of their names that didn't have a song title for a name. Now, thankfully, the movie gives quite a lot of people their own song with their name. Um, who may or may not be re representatives of a type of cat. I... Look, I, we're going to get into all that. I have no fucking idea. But um, I also know, so I was in like, I was in musicals when I was in high school and junior high. I was in plays. Um, and so I, a lot of my friends were also super into musicals, some a healthy amount and some a not so healthy amount. Um, and I always got the impression from them that like, there was two musicals that, um, that I was very aware of that I had never seen or heard songs from, for the most part. B one was beloved, and one was a shrug, even among this, like, hardcore musical theater group. And, like, Les Mis was the one that they they all loved, right? Anyone, they like, they were going to Broadway to see it. They had seen the, the, the Liam Neeson, like, non-musical version. They had Broadway versions. They were listening. They had the soundtracks. They were always talking about Les Mis. I had not seen Les Mis. I actually still have not seen any version of Les Mis, so maybe that's why I'm bringing this Me neither. Up. I, watched, uh, I watched the trailer about a thousand times for the one from a few years ago, and uh, I, I, no part of that was appealing to me, so I just got No, and, and when I think Peter, when like I said, I like musicals. I think we've kind of talked about that. I like singing in music, but what I what I've never been a huge fan of is like the type of musical where it's like, um, you know, when like uh, a, a Catholic priest has decided to sing the back half of the ceremony during mass. And uh, it just feels like he's just singing for no reason. There's no melody. There's like he's just going like. And now I thank you in the name of the Father. That's actually what uh, Judy Dench in this movie reminds me of. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing, consecrate the host today. Like the the transubstantiation that's about to occur and is gonna be in musical Spirit. format. Yeah. And then he took his body. <laughs> it's like a weird, it's like a weird uh, uh, baritone uh, dash. You sound like someone has uh, stretched you out in that device from Princess Bride. <laughs> Like you've, yeah. they've made, they've artificially made you a giant. Do this in memory of me. Yeah, <laughs> like just just be bopping and scatting around uh, the consecration of the Eucharist. That is what scatting uh, is. This is when Catholic and I feel like really go for it. I feel like so many musicals that like were the big musicals. Uh, in the like 70s, 80s, and 90s and stuff that I was aware of that it run like Phantom of the Opera, stuff like that, which I had seen in Incarnation and heard the soundtrack was like, okay, we're not actually doing like catchy, fun songs at any point. We're just like, it's like 
it's a very specific type of Broadway type song that isn't actually appealing, but I guess the whole production is really good. And that's that's what Les Mis always seemed to me. And so I never saw it, and I could be totally wrong. Maybe I'd love it. And it's, again, it's not that I dislike – I dislike – oh, I like musicals that have like, hey, we're going to sing eight songs and the rest we're going to be talking. I do like musicals that are like that. I also like musicals where they sing the entire time, like Jesus Christ Superstar and Hamilton. Like, those are musicals I love. I listen to the soundtracks. I've, you know, seen incarnations when I can over and over. Um, and that works for me. So it is just like, I feel like so many musicals just don't really have very good songs, even though I know that they're masters. Or maybe I just don't know enough about music and how it's made in musical theory to appreciate what they're doing. I don't know. Whatever. Um... The other one that kind of was in that same bucket, because I would have friends that would travel to New York and see Broadway shows. This group of friends, when they went to New York, that was the thing they wanted to do. Uh, And Les Mis was one, and then it was Cats. And what I always heard from them that had seen Cats or was like, yeah, you know, well, you got to go see Cats once. Like, you know, like it's 98.99, it's still on Broadway. No one ever seemed enthusiastic about it. Everyone kind of like approached it as like, oh, well, yeah, you know, it's cats. It's something you got to mark off the. You got to mark. Something you got to mark off the list. Yeah, just because. And 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 doing a little bit of research, I think that's because of two things. One, it was like this. Hey, if you don't like musical theater, um. You're going to see a spectacle. You're going to see, like, what you imagine a Broadway show. Here is everyone dressed up in these fanciful costumes, and there's going to be, like, Broadway special effects. Like, there's just not going to be, like, a sword fight and a, like, French, you know, and and, and a cape or something or a period-appropriate dress. Like, it's going to be big and spectacle, and you're going to feel like, holy shit, when I went to Broadway, I saw something crazy, even if you don't walk away loving it. And that's kind of, from what I've seen, why Cats was so popular for so long, that it wasn't the, 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 the musical that people that lived in New York was were going to see over and over. Or that anyone even really liked it that much. It just was different than every other musical. And it was like in its uh, spectacle. And you could bring, in theory, you could bring kids too. Even though this is a very weird and horny movie. Which oh, my yeah. five-year-old watched yeah. with me. Um, this, is theoretically, this is theoretically a family P- program. PG, right? it's, rated, it's rated PG. But like Cats is the same thing on Broadway, right? Like you could take a 10-year-old and they're it's not they're not going to be fucking bored out of their mind because here look at all these crazy people in costumes and the dancing cats around and lo- come out off the, the the thing that cats was famous for and it wasn't i don't think it was the first play or musical to do this but it was famous for is that the cats will come out in the audience and sing certain songs like yeah. it's like a magic show or some shit exactly so it uh, and I I didn't know this before doing some research, but it wasn't a hit because and and the longest running Broadway musical until a few things have passed it since then, but um of its time because it was maybe. like the yeah because it was the best. It was because of all these other reasons. Like no one really liked it, but people liked going to Broadway to see it. If that makes sense. And what has eaten its lunch? Peter, you already named it as a longer running one right now, is The Lion King. When you go to New York, if you don't have like a particular like, oh, here's I keep up with all the newest musicals and I need to go see this. Like The Lion King serves that niche. You can take your entire family to it. It's these big costumes. It's a big production. Uh, People feel like it. I'm going to, oh, if you're going to go see something, 
I'm going to go see The Lion King. I know what it is. I know what to expect. That's why I came to New York to see. That's that's a Broadway show I came to see New York or came to New York for. So what you have is this musical that like basically uh, and and I'm sure there's some people listening to this that are uh, are fans of it, the music or something like that. And uh, but and are probably like going to pull their hair out. But I will just say that uh, I uh, yeah, I think this is a musical that uh, everyone probably shrugs and goes, why was that so popular? Why did people like that? Which is especially why it's, I, I think, a little crazy to make a new version of it for 2019. Like, forget about how they decided to make a new version of it. We'll talk about that. You already know about it. I yeah. explained the butthole cut to my wife. <laughs> like, people know how they decided to make that and how insane that was. Uh, but I just, like, I would just question the idea of is there really enough of a Cats fan base to think that people would want to see a hundred plus million dollar version of Cats? And I would just say again, from my experience, that no, that there wasn't a big group of like Cats diehards who were itching for uh, a Hollywood uh, version or a more permanent version. Yeah, I think that it's a, it speaks to a fundamental misunderstanding about the power of musicals. I, I think this movie actually underestimates the power of live theater. I have seen a, a, not a ton of musicals, but I've seen a handful of like some of the biggest musicals in the past decade, two decades, let's say, um, and some, you know, sort of and sort of classic. So like uh, I saw when I was in New York, when I was when I was in New York, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I saw Miss Saigon and I saw Any Get Your Gun. And then like I've seen Wicked and Book of Mormon. I've seen. Did you like did you like Wicked by any chance? No, I didn't. But I was really but, but I'll, I'll get there in a second. Um, and then uh, I saw Lion King like I've seen. Not an elaborate amount of musicals, but I've seen enough live uh, to understand the phenomena that happens when a show that's not particularly well written, that's not particularly funny. Maybe it's not even particularly well produced. I've, I've also seen uh, sort of local productions of stuff like You're in Town, like more more like a small scale musicals. Yeah. I understand the majestic power of being in the room with live perform performers and the way that can actually... The, the, the power of the fact that it's happening in front of you can sort of overwhelm your senses and, and make sort of shortcomings of a particular piece on paper um, sort of seem irrelevant. Like, I didn't like Wicked. It felt like it took a million years. But every 20 minutes, not but every, yeah, every 20 to 30 minutes, there would be a song that I'd be like, that person is genuinely one of the most talented people in the world uh, at singing this type of music. And I am lucky enough to be in the room with them. It can't be discounted when you're talking about musicals. You can't just assume because something made money as a musical production, A, that it can translate well to, to film or any other medium, or B, that people were 
actually attached to the property that much. They might have just been attached to the idea of it's like a sometimes it's like adapting a roller coaster ride. It's like people aren't like are, are, people aren't racing to see the raging bull from Six Flags as a as a movie. Um, no. It's just that they had a fun time on that particular roller coaster. Experiences experiences can't necessarily be freely adapted, and people aren't necessarily going to be curious about the free adaptation of that material. I, I think that's right, and I think so. Let's let's talk about break it down the kind of like different types of musicals, especially as it relates to movies, right? So there is musicals that are written directly for the screen, and I feel like for the most part those musicals work better because you're you're writing songs and you're creating these moments for um for 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 film like With that's the what camera you're trying to in do. mind for, yeah like you so you have that in mind so you tend to create these kind of like a different type of uh a different type of musical or maybe you're doing it in that um you you are adapting a play but you're adapting something that has which is kind of the number two has uh some songs so you taught like little shop of horrors is a good example right off broadway play first but ultimately when you're creating the big screen version uh you actually are in a better situation because it's a big special effects spectacle that you can now do on film there's you know seven or eight songs and then a lot of dialogue which is easier to do you know you're not um you're not hemmed in by that and then the third musical is i always is always going to be the hardest right which is we're going to sing the whole thing. Very, very tough to pull out, pull off. I think the ones if that you do, do it wrong, pull it's it the most embarrassing. You do it exactly. And also, here's why it's tough. It's tough because it is very hard to get people to follow a plot through singing. When you hear a song for the first time, how much do you pick up? How much of the lyrics do you pick up? Is it different when you're seeing it live in person? Yes, but it's still like you might get 70 75% in most in mm-hmm. most songs the first time let alone try to judge like intent and emotions and all the other thing and when you're watching a movie or something like that where you can be a little more distracted than you are uh just staring at a performer right in front of you it gets that much harder so the 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 the, the examples of these that have been successful and again my own estimation is Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a rock opera, which means that even though it is Andrew Lloyd Webber, all the songs are supposed to, by their nature, be a little bit catchy, right? Because they're not – that. that is why it has that moniker rock opera. There's guitars. There's song structures that are a little bit more familiar to the average listener and choruses that repeat over and over and all that other kind of stuff. So that is now, so now it's sure it's music the whole way, but it's a musical genre that I, as an audience member, understand more. And then the second thing you're telling probably the most known story of all time, which is the story of, of, uh, the death of Jesus Christ. Like you, you, you know, all the characters. I don't need to get introduced to this musical about who Punch's Pilate is or who King Herod is or who the Pharisees were, unless I was like, you know, uh, for, for, for like, for, for a musical written for, um, Western quote unquote civilization, like people know that story. So it allows me to not ever like, lose myself in being confused at what's going on. I would say the other one that's successful that is obviously very popular is, is Hamilton in that one, it is using a 
again, musical genre that people are familiar with, so they understand the structure. Two, they're using the Revolutionary War, which as the backdrop, which, yeah, while you might not know the specifics of who some of the minor characters are, you'd probably have heard Alexander Hamilton. You almost certainly know who George Washington and King George III was. And you're using a style of, of singing and songwriting that allows you to sing song or rap a lot of the lyrics, which allows for talking during an all musical musical. Yeah. So, and on top of that, that's, that's a really good point is that like, while I have uh, tried many times to listen to the Hamilton recording and have found it uh, unlistenable, um, that's probably, you know, a failure of mine to not, uh, not seeing the play first. Um, But the, but but uh, you weren't lost, right? No, I understood what they were saying, uh, but the fact that they could stuff so much information in there and they weren't sort of um, clipped onto a sort of tramway of uh, of a traditional song structure really yeah. liberated them to communicate information in a more free and fun manner. Like, I, yeah. I like the idea of Hamilton and the way that, like, uh, you can communicate histor- like a historical theme um, <laughs> without... Um, Without necessarily compromising uh, the fact that you are trying to communicate dense historical information that all of us, all of us were taught at some point. It's just a lot of us don't remember. So then, so yeah, so that I think is why those can be successful. They're harder sells, I think, to most people in the audience where you want um, song breaks while you get to know the characters and also allows you to catch your breath a little, right? One thing that that the all-song musical can be tricky for is even understanding that a song has ended. Unless, like, like when you're seeing Hamilton or Jesus Christ Superstar live, you may think four songs are one song that just wildly change here and there. Uh, the only time that really... I mean, you can probably tell if you, again... Uh, understand or are aware of music to some degree and like, oh, there's a, there's a change here that's occurred. But, you know, when you have a musical where, where stuff, one song can be like, okay, here's five different people singing and it changes when it goes to each person and that's one song. The only clear way to tell that a song has changed is, um, is the lights go down usually for a sec or a costume change or a scene change. And then you can kind of go, okay, that, that part is done. I'm going to another one, right? Especially upon a first listen. And why that's important, I think, is that the, the best case when you're listening to an album, right? The first time is usually you, you pick up a couple songs that you like at first, and then you go and re-listen to it. And you're like, oh yeah, no, I really do like, you know, track four, um, but now track seven starting to come alive for me. And then the next, maybe you just listen to track four, or track seven, stuff like that. Uh, when, when you do a musical like this, uh, it gets really hard to know what a song is. And so all of a sudden, if, if, you, if the music isn't speaking to you, if you're not like enthralled by the music from song to song, it's like all of a sudden you can kind of almost have a hazy, like, oh, okay, well that, that. That's a little exciting for me, but I don't know what's going on. I don't know how it relates. Like, do I enjoy what I'm hearing or do I try to parse what's going on in this scene? It feels like you mentally have to make a ton of choices on what to focus on. And when you're doing that for a story that you are learning for the first time, 
that you have no basis to go. I have some. I'm bringing some of my knowledge into this. You are creating a situation like cats. I think <laughs> clearly that's what we're talking about here, where I had no fucking idea what was going on for almost the entirety of the movie. Um, I had no idea who anyone was in relation to anyone else. And I have no idea. I like barely remember. I couldn't sing. Can you sing me a song from Cats? We both watched it last night. It's been less than 24 hours. I can't sing you a song really from Cats. There's one song in it that I I clicked with. I had there's actually two songs that I had an emotional engagement with. One of them was not a good song. Um, it's 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 a song that Victoria basically sing sings about being a stray cat and being abandoned and like as an animal lover, like I connect with the themes even though the song is terrible. Uh, but the song that is pretty obvious. It's the I mean, one I, song I remember her singing. Knows, I did memories. not know that's what the cat was about. <laughs> is is uh is memories okay. uh memories is like a beautiful song it's it's uh the only song probably from this that's escaped cats the musical and it's like become part yeah. of the conscious hearing jennifer hudson singing it is so beautiful that a it makes me forget that i'm watching cats and b i watched that scene twice i went back later this morning to to rewatch that scene because i was like was that super pretty uh was that super beautiful then you know just in the amidst all this hide this aesthetic hideousness uh or was that actually a great scene and i watched it and it's wall to wall there's garbage wall to wall before it wall to wall after it but that little moment with jennifer hudson with with singing memories is it it it, it made me feel something so yeah i'd heard memories before um it's 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 a good song um i it's so funny that you say what victoria was singing about first it took me a second to remember who victoria was like it's the lead like, character ostensibly the lead character and then two i remember her singing i didn't know that's what her song was about like this is exactly what i'm talking about um the two that like i remember thinking had a refrain that was catchy um, was the Mr. Mistopheles song and the Rum Tub Tugger song. But I, if for the life of me, I couldn't tell you how either of those refrains go 24 hours later. Uh, like With, a, with a, a Rum Tum Tugger, they say, uh, uh, Rum Tum Tugger is a curious cat. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so it's uh, Rum Tum... Yeah, but I could like okay. Wait, but that's on. also that's also rum tub tugger is a that's not the but that's not the beat. And then like but I that's feel the like thing, it's, is that it's that that's little chorus the little the 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 refrain that the other cats are jumping in feels disconnected from the rest of the song. Like this is oh a legitimately God, por poorly written musical. Uh, yeah. Uh, take back, take take the sir out of Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> I'm not actually trying to take down Andrew Lloyd Webber. I don't know enough about musical history, but I do know enough about uh, song structure to know when it feels like a bunch of cobbled together elements are being shoved in my face, and the music in the film, just the the instrumentation, feels ancient. In it's a way. It, it feels yeah, it feels like people are playing against each other. Like the music and the singing, and maybe There's like no textural I, cohesion. Yeah, the, the, I, I, the movie is just whatever texture 
the whatever texture was a demanded by the original sound production, which is something you can update. There's no reason for this movie to have yellow like synthesizer chords. Absolutely none. It, it's uh, creepy. It's creepy. Um, but I think that's why I kind of put the disclaimer earlier on. Like, if you're like, if you understand more about musical theory than I do, which is anything, and are like, no, 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 you don't understand what was brilliant about the way that he wrote these songs is like. Because the chorus and the singing doesn't quite line up like that, that's actually brilliant. And you didn't hear that. And that's why everyone was so impressed with it at the time. Like, great. I'm sorry that it doesn't hit me at that level. I'm glad it hits you at that level. I'm glad you know enough about music to go, yes, this song is bad, but here's why I intellectually enjoy it. I'm very proud of you. Uh, this is getting more and more patronizing as we go along. But I guess what it I'm saying is in that. good faith until you kept talking. <laughs> Well, I do mean it in good faith, though. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I I'm actually not dismissing it, although I am just laughing about it. But here's what I can tell you. I went, oh, I like this chorus. This is catchy at two songs in the movie. And I can't 24 hours, 24 hours later tell you how they go in a any sort of confident way. Just, just the one line. And I think that's like – if you are trying to remember the catchy song, um, I think that's a that's a problem. And I'll tell you, I actually listened to the Rome Tub Tugger song again this morning because I'm like, how did that go again? And it's left my head. I think I would need to listen to it a few more times where, sure, I didn't remember any every song from Hamilton, but who didn't listen to Hamilton for the first time and could at least go, uh, I will not throw away my... Like, it, that part stayed with you. Or who couldn't, like, Jesus Christ Superstar know, I don't know how to love him, or at least know how that chorus line, like, flows. Like, yeah. you may not know all the lyrics, but I can sing that line exactly because it stayed with me so much. And I, I didn't even like Hamilton, but, like, for a week or two after, little little uh, sort of rap couplets would get stuck in my head. Um, and that speaks to its, its sort of impact. And, and what we're ultimately talking about here is like, you can have, you can talk about this from a musical theory standpoint all you want, which is, I, I'm, I'm totally open to reading about that and hearing more about that. I, I, I totally commend, uh, anyone who has a musical theory concept for why this actually works. But here's the ultimate point is impact. Yeah. Uh, I had a limited, a limited emotional impact to anything happening in this except for complete confoundment for the first yeah 54 i counted this first 54 minutes i felt nothing but confusion nothing but confusion and horror i was yeah, actually i was really i was un- i was I, I told you 50 minutes i paused it and i'm like i am halfway through this movie like yeah. who are all these people and then once I kind of snapped a grid and I realized, like, who the power players are an hour and 10 minutes into an hour and 45 minute movie, um, I kind of realized, like, where this movie was headed or who who even is, like, set against one another or what is even the basic premise of this movie? All of that. Why, why don't like why don't they like that one cab? Why did you have to wear a coat and go outside? I, I still what, don't get that. Um, why? Because, why are why are all these people? Why is every song a new cat? Like, yes. are they supposed to join the gang? Like, I don't understand. Like, what? Why is it just a series of introductions for for an hour? And I was confounded. I was confounded with the movie and afraid of it for minimum 55 minutes. And then in terms of emotional impact, first time I felt anything approaching sadness or empathy for the characters was at least an hour into a movie. 
<laughs> which is uh, which is a sign that the movie has entirely failed and that even the songs performed by people that are talented like I, I don't know like i don't like jason derulo but he can hit notes i guess yeah the fact that that was the first time i wasn't even laughing in the first hour i was i was horrified that's a really good point what, what you're finding out is that if you don't if you can't follow the movie there's a couple things that don't work. One, I don't think the songs work. Maybe if I watched it again, and again, I'm still not entirely sure what happened in the movie. So maybe if I if I read the Wikipedia plot summary five times and rewatch the movie, <laughs> then like the songs will stay in my head. But you know what? You don't want like you know the Big Sleep and like those kind of noir films, or even the Big Lebowski, are like very famous for like hey. It's hard to really appreciate it the first time around because there's so much disparate plot stuff going on that you your brain can't help but like focus all its energy on trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and then your advice had that problem. Anybody that was trying to follow the yeah, it is a linear plot driven story was driven mad by it and hated that movie. But anybody that just Uh, I I hated the Big Lebowski the first time I saw it, which I feel is actually like very common. Like yeah, and Heron Vice and Big Lebowski have the same thing. Where if you try and follow it as a character driven thing, you're gonna love it. But if you try and follow it as a plot driven thing, you're just gonna get so frustrated. But there, but you almost like your brain can't not follow it as a plot thing. Like you want to figure out where this is gonna end up. And once you watch a Big Lebowski your big sleep or inherent vice and realized like ultimately it's not going to end up anywhere that you were expecting for those two movies my interest in the plot clicked with the the character's interest in the plot i because i empathized with jeff lebowski uh whenever whenever jeff lebowski was uh interested in figuring out what the fuck was going on i was and then the movie gave you some nuggets of information and whenever jeff, jeff lebowski was just smoking weed in his apartment i was like yeah well you know the plot's not that important <laughs> yeah um yeah, and it like, but there was so much from even a joke perspective I missed. Like, like obviously the ashes in the face were funny to me the first time, and there's some funny stuff, and there's some funny performance. Like, you know, the uh, you you fuck with the Jesus stuff. Like, yeah, first time I like was laughing at that, or like Walter stuff. And then the second time, all of a sudden, it's like, oh my god, there's all these jokes, all these little character beats that are funny. Like, it's amazingly funny, and I feel like you you miss a lot of that. It's the old like thing of the 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 basketball players. Right in, uh, you know, three of them are wearing white shirts, shirts, three of them wearing black shirts, and you're supposed to count how many times the ball goes through uh, the hands of the people wearing white. And, the, you know, the first time you watch it, you probably are f- so focused on trying to count to get that number right because you think that's the test that you missed that there's a guy in a gorilla costume that walks through the scene and waves at you and stuff like that. I remember that. I saw that. I missed the gorilla, right? So first time I saw Big Lebowski, I, didn't, I missed so many of the jokes because I was trying to piece together what was happening so for cats it was the same thing so all these things about like the songs that i thought were catchy or even being able to laugh at the special effects like i noticed the fact that man one of the worst ways to do dancing is if you're trying to cgi it obviously that's a huge mistake whatever whatever our technology has evolved it has not evolved like jason derula style dancing to be able to animate just can't do it don't know what to tell you but i didn't walk away from this movie going uh, oh my god, it is a laugh a minute with what they tried to do because I was so confounded. Like, I feel like my brain was trying to figure out what the hell, like, just get some sort of, like, grasp onto, onto land. Like, just anchor myself a little bit so I could appreciate on some level the music or the ridiculousness or the CGI. And I feel like that 
barely happened. So I think even as like a, this is a hilarious comedy version of this and everyone should watch it, it was tough because I just didn't know what the fuck was going on, Peter. Yeah, like I I, I was thinking about 50 minutes into this movie um, where I wasn't even irritated. My eyes were just like passing over images like like white noise static at a certain point uh you said you you said like the the movie felt like a dream to you um yeah it really Uh, did the uh i i I used the phrase i needed to see it that's how a lot of people saw cats like you just i i need to figure out what the fuck that thing was about which you know it has two contexts one is in the original musical people like you were talking about 20 or so minutes ago um people would say, you just got to go see it. You just got to go see it. And then for the movie, in a different context, people are saying, you just have to see this fucking thing. Like, the tone of voice changes. Um, the intent changes with you got to see it. And this one is way more of like a, I, the, the I needed to see it felt almost like a, a character from a Lovecraft story. <laughs> like, I I needed to open the book, the, the, the dark tome and read it. I needed to figure out what Nyarlathotep was up to. Uh, and then 50 minutes into it, I, I felt... I'm going to use a lot of metaphors for how this movie felt, but, like, it, I, I felt like part of my, my brain was being manipulated. Like, I felt like my... I felt like my conscious level was operating, like... Uh, you know, business as usual, like what the, I don't know what's going on here, but my subconscious was getting soured. Like the, the water w- was going stagnant on uh, uh, underneath the surface. It's like, it's that thing when you're reading, like, here's what it really felt to me, even though I was concentrating, you know how, when you read a book and all of a sudden you have turned the page and you're like, wait, I don't know anything that happened on that page. <laughs> my brain was somewhere else. And I was like reading the words, but I wasn't tracking. That's what it felt like watching this movie. Where it felt I was like, like that, except for you're trying to focus to harder. Yeah. Where I tried, yeah, exactly, but I kept trying to focus harder, and it felt like that was only making it worse. Like, I didn't know how to, um, I didn't know how to get it. And that's why, um, I do believe that, like, people that saw it and were like, this is hilarious. I can't believe this is what, this yeah. is what they made as a movie for cats, which is fair. Like, the director, especially, like, sucks. Uh, everything about this was like a t- it's it's a movie that was immediately going to do bad from the get go because of how they decided to film it, which is uh, we'll just say this now before the plot recap, whatever that looks like. But yeah, instead of like costumes or costumes in a cat world, they decided to be like, no, they're cat size, <laughs> so they're the size of cats, type of variably cat sized. Yeah, in a in a real world, they sometimes gonna... are they sometimes are the size of uh, a cat that's the size of a you know a huge ass uh, tabby cat is sometimes the size of a squirrel, and then uh, adjusts to the size of a velociraptor depending on what the scene calls for. Yeah, and we're gonna CGI them into their costumes or to complete their costumes, which. People thought was the funniest fucking thing in the world because they're like, why would that is a terrible idea? Just do costumes, like do sets and costumes. Why? Like, I know it's hard to ask people to dance in those in a costume of that, you know, size. Sure. But but but, like, how much do you kind of want to see that? Like, this is for all like the fact that Tim Burton sucks and he does suck now. Like the Tim Burton version of this would have been probably um, 
not better because I don't think that there's a good version of cats that really anyone could make, but it would be more interesting, like visually. Like he probably would have tried to design some sets and like I'm gonna make something look like this movie just looks like garbage, indistinct CGI, and then did yeah it was like hey what if we make everyone the scorpion king <laughs> like that's that's what it's like which again very funny on the face so i do believe that like even if you like cats or were, are just familiar with the broadway musical that and i've heard this from a lot of people that they like seeing this was fucking hilarious to them because of what they did to something they were familiar with liked it disliked it whatever this is just a weird adaptation. And that is just not something, as someone who was trying to piece together the story of Cats for the first time from this, uh, was able to appreciate at that same level. So, it's definitely not a five-star movie. Like, I truly believe the people... We, we talk about So Bad It's Good and how that's not really something, Peter, that you and I agree with. But yes. that you can enjoy, a, like, a movie like The Room or or other, like, movies like that because they bring you as much joy as a competent movie. That the incompetence is so enjoyable that, sure, you're you're not getting the enjoyment that the filmmakers intended, but you truly love it. Like, you truly love what you're seeing. And I can totally buy, if you were familiar with Cats, that this may be that for you. And I take those people who are like, this is five stars. This is one of my favorite movie experiences of the year. I take that in the spirit that it's intended. Like, no one put the Ridiculous Six or the countless other, like, hate watches, which Peter and I hate, on their top ten list. This seems to me like something that you could walk away from loving the same way you love The Room or Birdemic or Urge or countless other movies like that. But for me personally, I'm just going to say it up front, I was too perplexed and too annoyed to feel that same level of joy with the very exception of one part right before the last song where I burst out laughing so hard that my wife wanted to know what was wrong with me. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I, I, which I'm excited to get to. I'm with you. Like, I'm with you there. This movie is this movie. We're not a bad movie podcast. We actually disagree with a lot of like the hate watching or uh, this movie's bonkers kind of style approach to that. Uh, it's just not what we do here. Um, um, I don't mind that this movie's bonkers because that that you can have a bonkers movie you like. Uh, what I don't like is and this stupid piece of fucking yes, shit director. Yes. I, I didn't I didn't mean that to say we're not allowed to say movies are crazy. But the point is you have to try and find context for that. What I'm what right? I'm trying to lay what I'm trying to lay down a little clearer is that like I like how did this get made. Yeah, I, don't I do like, too. I, and I love I Jason Manzukis. I don't like we hate movies. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. Um, but the uh, but bad movie doesn't feel accurate to me because it it, it it fails to register often as like a piece of media. Like I don't know what axis to put this on. I it's <laughs> it fails at, at its intended goal, which makes it a bad movie. Yes, but just sizing it up and saying bad movie feels reductionist for how uh how. The frenzied manic state this put my brain into at times to try and figure out what the hell was happening, and the fact that the CGI it almost feels Dadaist at times. Like this, it, at times this felt like that show Xavier Renegade Angel, but if it were a straight drama, <laughs> like I, like I, I, I was like, what reality does this exist in? How many episodes did you watch all of Xavier uh, Renegade Angel? Because that was a show by two people I love to death that I got four episodes in. I'm like, you know what? 
not for me. I think I watched all of it, but it was also one of those Adult Swim shows where I think it takes two hours to watch every piece of it. So, but it, it, that had a similar effect on my brain where yeah I, it, no it i understand not, exactly what you're saying <laughs> my brain could not recognize patterns or form <laughs> any sort of like uh connection to it um for most of the first hour maybe the entire first hour i, I it, my brain couldn't recognize patterns enough to determine if what i was seeing was good or bad it like barely recognized it as a piece of media the, the signifier worst movie ever i've seen thrown around for this movie i don't think that quite counts it also is you know it's an axis i'm not particularly interested in engaging with the worst movie ever is probably like a boring ass domestic drama with conservative values from the 40s about why you should get married before you get pregnant or something like the worst movie ever is a movie nobody actually has finished watching in the past 70 years most movies that i i've seen almost both of us have seen all of like the worst movies ever you know the room troll 2 birdemic whatever um and they're all they all seem to be imitating something you recognize. So that pattern recognition is there. You're like, I recognize Birdemic because Birdemic is trying to do a Jaws or obviously the birds kind of thing. Um, and I recognize what individual scenes are going for because they remind me of, you know, an attempt. And I re- to also it thing. wants to make a difference too, yes. which is a good it's a good instinct to have. But like a lot of things in Birdemic, it it gets um that energy is put in the wrong place to a humorous effect. Yes, yes. And, and uh, Trolls 2, you could watch Trolls 1 and be like, okay, I know what they were kind of doing here. Um, <coughs> they just did it poorly. It's usually like, yeah. it, I recognize the pattern. It's just the pattern is is, is off. It's, it's unsyncopated. Um, this is baffling for even people with the Wikipedia page up. Like, I could not no, sync this movie to it, any it sort doesn't of help that waves. It doesn't help that they actively named all of the characters and again maybe this is all taken from T.S. Eliot's book that he quote unquote adapted but like when all of your names are just like gobbledygook Johnson like it's really hard to know who the fuck anyone is talking about Um, I thought of like I thought of almost bringing back games and be like Pokemon or character from cats because it does has the same effect. Like I know Mr. Mistopheles and Pikachu. And then after that, you're like, there's a grum, grum, tugger, ticker. Like, <laughs> sure. Um, you're right. All the names are just so cloying and awkward and they're supposed to be charming and they're sort of like goofy cartoonishness. But instead what they come across as in a hundred million dollar supposedly mainstream movie, uh, it just comes across as uh, 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 corporate nonsense. It reminds me of like a corporate account doing um, (laughs) doing like uh, funny jokes at people's expense, a corporate Twitter account. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this would. This would maybe be less offensive if it wasn't in a $200 million movie. <laughs> like, if you were, like, someone came up to you and just said, hey, who who do you like better, Rumple Teaser or Shimble Shakes? You'd be like, are you having a stroke? Like, what is are these, happening? Are these parody versions Did of you the say names? Rumple Teaser yeah. or Shimble Shakes? Yeah. Um, no, those, those are real names. It's a, it's a $100 million movie. With a $115 million marketing budget. There we go. All right, $200 million. There we go. We're right there. Uh, here's the other thing that's worth saying. Um, I'm looking at my notes, and I don't remember what half of these things are referring to. Again, less than 24 hours since I saw this movie. Uh, there's two notes I have, and then let's talk about the plot, or just, it's probably going to be more rambling, because again, we don't really know what happened in this movie. There's two things I want to say generalities-wise. One, I watched this with 
my wife, who's not seen cats, uh, but does like our cat. Um, and two, for, for the record, for the she's record, a card-carrying cat fan. I think she likes our cat a little less after seeing this, but before she she definitely loved our cat. Um, and then my five-year-old, because it was rated PG, and it was like, well, we can just watch it at six thirty when she's up and then we can watch whatever we're going to watch later like why make this our friday night movie we have to watch if if maya can watch it with us within the first 10 minutes they asked me so many questions peter like they kept asking me questions which happens sometimes to when a five-year-old watches a movie with you and rarely happens when Shauna watches a movie with me. But they both kept asking me questions. And every time I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, they were really trying to help. They assumed that because I had picked this movie that I would know any of their answers. And I knew nothing. And I was some, – at some point, I'm like, yeah, that's probably it. Like, Maya was trying to help me and make suggestions for what should be going on on screen. Like, oh, maybe it's this. Like, sure. But it was <laughs> – it was – it was like – the idea that the, that the uh, six-year-old? Uh, almost six. The, the five-year-old the time you hear who has, six, the, yeah. has the same – Level of comprehension as the 36-year-old. 37 by the time you hear this, too. Uh, we will have aged. Uh, but, yeah, it. Uh, I really didn't know what was happening, and I never got so many questions from both of them so quickly. Uh, like, rapid fire. And I'm like, I, guys, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Call me crazy. I don't know. Call me crazy. I think that maybe – your cute musical about the subculture of cats. Um, subculture? Just, I guess it's just regular culture, but the Jellicle cats are definitely a subculture of cats because Victoria what? is entered into the cat world. I don't know what a Jellicle is, even though they yeah. yelled it at me 500 times. Yeah, but anyway. so, so the way they keep dropping Jellicle cat and this subculture of Jellicle cats that all believe and adhere to this uh, cult-like religious uh, ceremony where they send one of them to heaven every year. Um, that that sort of uh, that sort of uh, throwing proper. Oh, that's in your right. The bar, the restaurant was called Heaven. Are they just killing the cat? I was like, did they just send that cat off to die? But I remember they're it's sending called the heavy them to the side layer, uh, which is supposed oh to be God. an afterlife okay. and rebirth, and they're supposed to come back as an attractive Jeez. cat or something. I don't know. Anyways, here's my point. A, a, a musical. Sorry, I just pieced together a piece of the ca of the movie. Yeah, a, a, you're proving my point here. A musical about a group of cats who all believe in this like religious phenomena and are trying to you know make peace with this religious ritual uh, should not be more confusing than the plot to Frank Herbert's Dune. No, and should theoretically and, and it's like watching it's like watching dune without any context of the book sort of like the the david lynch movie um yeah where where you're like why do they keep talking about the spice melange but the movie but that movie dune, starts with a two minute like here's a bunch of things you need to know yes, really yes. quick the movie tries to catch you up a b there's an accompanying book that'll explain everything in a very uh actually healthy pace the book does yeah. not throw too many proper nouns in your face the way the the david lynch movie does um and three they never use these proper nouns in a context where you could figure it out do you remember when you were in, you were do you remember when you were your daughter's age a five-year-old and they would yeah. say you'd say what does this word mean and your teacher would say read the words around it 
And you tell me, what do you think it means? Like, what yeah. what are all these, these surrounding context clues telling yeah, context, you? Context clues. Yeah, uh, this is the first time since I was a child where I was like, I have, I have no. This is this is presumably English, right? I I, I have no context. Do you clues know? Uh, honest question. Do you know what a Jellica cat is? It's their culture. They all call each other Jellicle Cats, and in the end, Victoria qualifies as a member of the Jellicle Cats, which leads me Maybe. to believe... I don't know. I don't know what the word means. I don't know. Is, I, yeah, I assume is it's similar to, like, of... Branch Davidian, right? So, I started to think partially way through the movie that every time that you meant, like, Rub Dub Tugger, that there's, like, that the, the cat culture has, like, there's, like, in the same way that there's... Rockers and mods and stuff like that. That like each one was a representation of like their subculture within the cat group. So like, uh, there's not like his name wasn't Rum Tum Tugger. That he represented the Rum Tum Tuggers. And I'm laughing as I'm saying this because I I guess I could still be right, but I thought maybe like the Jellica cats were. Like we're the rockers, and like, but let you know, here's the here comes the rum tub, like at the ambassador for the tuggers. I don't fucking know. Anyways, the when Andrew Lloyd Webber saw it. this, he probably was like, "I have become death destroyer of worlds." But um, it does feel like uh, uh, if you, there are points also when I was listening to this that I felt like I was being given some sort of uh, audit, like some sort of language virus. Um, like I was like I, I was talking about like I feel you like were in sub- uh, what's what's that what's that movie Pontypool yeah Pontypool you got, got like, Pontypool I feel like the I feel like the the, the, the loam of my subconscious was was uh, made poisonous was the ground went sour uh, beneath my con while my consciousness was going what's this weird movie my subconscious was in turmoil. Uh yeah, I uh, I'm looking it up. I didn't look it up on purpose, but I'm looking it up now. According to Wikipedia, Jellica <laughs> Cat is just a fictional type of cat from the book, old the T. S. Eliot book. Yeah, it's so, definitely a cult. Like they're all. So it doesn't like, fucking mean anything. One only but, like, one the impressive cat can die and get to go on Haley's comet. Like that so is here's the, a, that, that's the plot to me. Is they're they're a cat cult, and one of them gets to get sacrificed. You mean the, the Hale Bob comment? They're like yeah. instead of all of us dying with our Nikes on in the beds, we're just gonna send one. one and see what happens first. Uh, yeah. So so keep in mind. So it's a. I guess I didn't know it was a made up term. I thought maybe it's some fucking cat term. Like maybe there's Tabby and there's Jellicas. I don't know. So I just looked it up. So so confirmation. Jellica made up word. No one will know what it is. Now imagine. Instead of like explaining what the spice is, <laughs> um, that Dune started with just people going spice, 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 fat spice, big spice, little spice, smart spice, <laughs> we spice, all love spice, 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 we love spice. Actually, and like, actually, we love spice is too much context. They're talking about jellical cats, and it seems to operate in a world where. The, and then the, the Jellicle Jellicle Cat song ends, an and they pick it up again. Then all like it ends, they do a weird like recitation of poetry discussion. Um, that also I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then they're back yelling about Jellica Cats again. It's just like, what is this? This is breaking my brain. I don't understand. And to find out it's a fictional term is actually making me a little annoyed. Like, because I'm like, someone has to know what this is, right? I, I just assumed I just, it. as a non-cat owner, that I just didn't know a term for yeah, exactly. 50 minutes. Like, tab, yeah, but no. So why are they yelling? Uh, anyways, 
Jesus Christ, let's get into it. Are you ready to talk more about cats? I felt like I was being given a Voight-Kampf test and that if you actually understand this, like if you can relate the plot to cats uh, to somebody, like they immediately put a, put a bullet in your brain box. Here's the other thing. You go and see Dune, the movie Dune, based on the book Dune, a very popular book, which is why I got an adaptation. Even if you're a little confused, first of all, half the audience probably has read the book. And the other half is like, well, this is clearly explained in the book. Cats is loosely based on a book of poetry called um, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which means that if you were seeing Cats for the first time, it's like if Dune wasn't based on the giant hit sci-fi novel Dune, but like a pamphlet that Frank Herbert like passed out in his youth group in the 20s. And like, well, to really understand this, I hope you read that pamphlet <laughs> that no one's read. If Frank Herbert wrote like uh, a religious text for the Fremen, and that that's the only thing you are allowed to use as context for David yeah. Lynch's it Dune. Yeah, it only gets... Uh, printed with the Amish communities and it's basically about the spice trade as metaphor for why we shouldn't use electricity and stuff like it's like you didn't read that book you're gonna really need to read that to get the context of what we're talking about for the first half hour while we just shout made up words from it for a while like yeah anyways uh yeah let's let's, let's yeah uh, let's do the plot let's do the whole the whole rigmarole you want to talk I mean, about we probably more? we probably got a half hour tops <laughs> left in us but uh yeah sure we'll talk about quote unquote the plot uh of cats right after a song that probably yells just the cats like at you for a while <laughs> You are alternate tagline. Uh, alternate taglines. Um, the film that should not be. Couldn't be further than what you want to watch. <laughs> A catastrophe. Jellica Smellica. <laughs> I already, I already blew, blew this earlier, but uh, only one impressive cat can get onto Haley's Comet. <laughs> Hailbop. Yeah, Hailbop. Hailbop's the one where, do, do you remember the Hailbop comet? Thing? Yeah, from Heaven's Gate. SD, <laughs> SD locals. <laughs> I thought for a second you said, uh, like, I, I now know that you're saying San Diego, but I thought you were giving it like a subtitle, like a Law and Order show. <laughs> Hail Bop, SVU. <laughs> so the plot, so I, I'm going to be clear. I This is the plot as I understand it from after the movie. And a couple things that Peter just said in the first part of this recap. <laughs> and it's not going to be comprehensive, and it could be wrong. And Did I, don't I care. teach you more honestly if, than you knew going into this episode? I feel like, you know, one thing that we do on the show, Peter, is we analyze movies. I'm not trying to get on a high horse or, like, sound like I think our job is more important. But one thing that this podcast has done is it's, I think, made me quicker to as i'm watching movies to pull out themes from them i think honestly doing a podcast or probably this probably of anyone doing any sort of critical critical work of something it makes you quicker to probably understand uh the the art that you're reviewing quicker because you kind of just have that thing that you're turning on in your brain a little more like you're just used to i have to i can't just see a movie and let it wash over me 
I need to uh, take notes and be prepared to talk about it with some level of uh, not expertise, but at least understanding some some of the uh, the the big points in this. So basic comprehension. Uh, the, yeah. So the fact that I really feel unconfident in being able to describe what happened in this movie. I, I feel like is a fault of the filmmakers and the writing and not me. And maybe someone could go and say, fuck you. I understood it the first time I saw it. Great. But I think that this is definitely not a uh, shame on you. This is or shame on me. I think this is a shame on them. I, I've I don't taken feel all the guilt I'm going to take for this movie. Yeah. So anyways, I think so. There's a cat that joins this cat uh, cult or group it's who has a leader cult. called Old Deuteronomy, old Deuteronomy, and they're trying to get to the heaven bar or restaurant where they will be treated well or possibly reborn, <laughs> as Peter said earlier. Heaven's uh, bar, and restaurant. <laughs> bar and restaurant. Well, because so I got it. They closed uh, down after the chilies went up across the street. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, in heaven. <laughs> Uh, everything is fine. I do feel like I could explain uh, at least a plot or a theme of a David Lynch movie the first time I saw it better than this. But, um, so, and I think it's because they're street cats and street cats don't generally have a good life. They have to fight for stuff. Uh, they have to fight for human mice and cockroaches to eat. Um, some of them are domestic cats. Okay. Well, that was, I mean, I, I wasn't clear. Peter, a lot of them Rebel like Wilson, sure Rebel Wilson Ford. might be, but then like all of a sudden eighty other cats jump in and yell Jellica at her, and I thought yeah. she was singing about how much better it was that she had access to food where these other cats didn't. But who knows if that's your right, guess is Peter? as good as mine. So throughout the first forty-five minutes hour of this movie, new cats keep popping up and singing songs about themselves, and they all have dumb fucking names. And then they just, a new cat will pop up. So, yeah, Jason Derulo will yell about something. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, look at that cat. And then that cat will sing a song. And eventually they all show up and Judy Dench sings a song. And there's something, I never figured out what was going on with Ian McKellen, except that I guess he might be old friends with Judy Dench's cat. Um, who knows? Anyway, his name's Gus Gus. And that's old Deuteronomy, and they they seem to have maybe they used to be lover cats. I who knows. Um, so there's also a bad cat who wants the prize of getting to the Heaven Barn Grill, <laughs> to Guy Fieri's Heaven Barn Grill, uh, and his name is McCavity, and he's has some magic powers, and so like then about. An hour and 20 minutes into the movie, <laughs> he uses Taylor Swift to kidna- to distract everyone singing about McCavity. He's not in the song McCavity. Most of the time, when y- the person is saying their name a lot in the song, they're part of it. But in this case, no. That's the big twist. That McCavity's not sung by McCavity. But he's kidnapped some other... the buttholes out, they wanted to change his name from, from McCavity to No Cavity? <laughs> no Cavity? <laughs> Because he has to no max, cavity anymore. To Max Smoothbutt. Um, <laughs> he's also been kidnapping people and I guess kidnapping candidates for a trip to the 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 the, the green place. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so at the end of it, they 
I guess they kind of, like they all escape from prison. I don't really remember a fight against McCavity, but they select uh, Jennifer Hudson's cat, who probably has a dumb fucking name. It's like Grim uh, Gr- Grigzella, Grigzelda or something. Yeah, Grim- I had. A- I, I know I can Google this. Grizabella. Grizabella. So it's not Grizella would have made more sense, less consonants, but not in this fucking case. Um. So yeah, so she gets chosen, which they just then put her on a hot air balloon which fun fact about cats um they don't know how to buy a little hot air balloon so i'm assuming that cat's just gonna fucking die because <laughs> it's uh, either gonna get scared and jump off and, or or i guess just stay up and not eat or drink or i mean it's just it's just going up to the sun well, well over all the buildings because at one point they point to a building that says heaven on it but she's above that but the cats are you know they're dumb fucking cats they don't know they're all excited (laughs) that they put this cat on hot air balloons so they start kind of rubbing each other it feels like it's going to be a cat orgy but then McCavity jumps on the hot air balloon at the last second and then immediately falls off so I guess but not to his death no threat no not to his death he just lands on the the, like the last skyscraper church steeple before yeah uh, it's a see you again next year kind of deal yeah, I'll try again later when old Deuteronomy gives me a shot. And then they sing a final song. And I guess that's the end of Cats. It's a final song uh, that I think is a is a, a, a shot at dogs. Yeah, it starts with like, yeah, there is a random like. It's can you imagine thinking your punchline for the movie is like, uh, at least we're better than dogs? Like, I saw all that shit for for. <laughs> For you to be like, oh, do cats not like dogs? Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I'm going to tell you the part that made me laugh out loud. Like, I was dying. Um, so it's this big, that big scene. Grizabella goes off in the balloon. All the cats are at this fountain staring at her and all excited she's going off to, to heaven. McCavity tries to steal Grizabella's bl- hot air balloon. <laughs> And doesn't. And then all the other cats are excited. They start kind of celebrating. And then it close-ups on Judy Dench's face. And she turns to the camera, which has not happened throughout the movie. They haven't broken the fourth wall. And clearly, like, oh, here's, you know, like, what did we learn today to the audience? And she starts by saying this. She says, you've heard in, in a song. Uh You've heard of several kinds of cats. And I'm like, I, yeah, I guess I have. <laughs> I mean, what? Like, you're re- like the the big, like, after all this shit, you're like, yeah, well, I guess uh, one thing you can't argue or sue us about is you have definitely heard of several kinds of cats today. <laughs> um, don't know what it means. Don't know what happened. But at, at a minimum... Judy Dench should come out at the end of Faces of Death and go, you've seen several faces of death today. <laughs> yeah. you've. I have heard of several kinds of cats today. I cannot deny that. If that was what you were trying to let me know about as an audience member, maybe I should calm down a little because you have delivered on this promise. I didn't know it was a mutual contract between us that I came here on the guys that you were going to tell me of several kinds of cats. But yeah, contract fulfilled. You uh, said some cat stuff. Pardon for me. I'm training to be a vet. Uh, Mr. Lloyd Webber, can you explain to me 
some different types of cats, perhaps? To get an A on the test, you're going to need to tell me about ten kinds of cats. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, I burst out laughing because it was this big, dramatic moment. And then she's like, you've heard of several kinds of cats. It's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> It's truly, uh, it's truly like a after. I, I, I'll, I'll jump back to this. It's after the majesty of uh, that Jennifer Hudson song, where I briefly forgot the horrors of cats. Um, I uh, immediate. They had to immediately follow that by uh, having like a sure, whatever. They have the scene where McCavity fails to get on the air balloon that's going to take her to the cat hail bop comet. To end that. With some sort of awkward epilogue, <laughs> like Raylan Kivens and Boyd Crowder will look at each other and be like, "We saw several kinds of cats together." <laughs> like, what, what is this? it's, it's so, like if they ended Jesus Christ Superstar with like, "You've met some people today." <laughs> like, I yeah, I guess <laughs> that's that's the most important takeaway. Yeah, <laughs> that I met up some different people today. Yeah. I did. Yeah, you did. I can. I. I and here's the other thing. Did I meet several kinds of cats? We met different cats, like individual. Yeah. Did I meet different kinds? Yeah. Several? Let alone several? That was that was the only part. The joy that people say that they got seeing this movie where they were like dying laughing unintentionally. The only part that that got me was when Judy Detch it, it just horribly disgraced a fine actor. Uh, in, in her terrible-looking cat CGI, to tell me that I I had heard of several kinds of cats today. Yeah, yeah. That was the let's, only point that really was like, okay, that broke me. Let's talk about those different types of cats. So, Victoria is introduced as our main character. She's largely supposed to be the uh, naive protagonist. It's the new kid at the high school. It's the new guy in prison. I'd say I'd describe her as Jellica. Oh, well, that's that's uh, not her name. Um, no, I know that's but I think that describes her entire personality. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it does. Um, she she is uh, introduced in the movie in a terrifying sequence where a uh, the only human being to appear in the movie and you still you don't see the face. Um it tosses a uh, a sack violently, uh, bundling, barreling over the top of a table and into an alley uh, with Victoria inside. She crawls out after uh, the, the other cats uh, run in and, and free her and then seek to terrify her, I assume. And None of moment, this sounds familiar. And, and, and the moment when that happens the, and the fact that there's only one human being in this whole movie... Um, yep. leads me to believe that this is a, this is a stealth sequel to Dr. Moreau because <laughs> <laughs> that's Dr. Moreau. It's like a combination sequel of, uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> it's actually, sorry, it's actually a prequel to Dr. Moreau because they talk about in Dr. Moreau how he was doing some experiments in, in Paris and London, uh, before he, uh, had to go run off because the idiots back home, the, the, the Lilliputians didn't understand his research. And so apparently he was in his lab cooking up some disgusting experiments and he was like, he saw Victoria for one second. He was like, this is awful. And then chucked her into an alley to die. And then all the other cats. I'm not going to try to fuck this animal at all. <laughs> 
all the other animals are presumably Dr. Moreau experiments. I mean, you made the movie a million times better at the idea that these are not actual cats. They're mutants. But cast off experiments that think they're cats. Yes, they, that they're they're all... And they haven't even been taught whatever... Peter, I think I like the movie now. <laughs> Yeah, does it make you like the cats more to know that someday they're all going to meet Val Kilmer? Uh, yeah, I like the I, I like the movie more if the cats are saying all this nonsense shit because they are actually like beastly experiments who also don't are trying to like create a um, identity for themselves through made up words because no one taught them how to be cats, <laughs> and they have just enough intelligence to make a. Uh, chandelier balloon that'll send them off to oblivion and they have some weird rich religious rituals that they yeah. need to fulfill but that you know maybe in the car on the way to being abandoned dr moreau through a said something that they're now like oh interpreting as scripture yeah old deuteronomy like like read like one passage from the bible probably the book deuteronomy and was like i got it rebirth <laughs> go, go on the balloon like yeah i mean you have made you've fixed cats peter thank you thank you um it also helps explain why my skin crawls when i watch this movie this movie does need a vel kilmer like to just go up and like grin his teeth at the, the cat <laughs> and and then like being weirdly turned on by it the, the movie <laughs> is audience the movie is weirdly horny uh even without the buttholes the, the lack of his the rebel visual. wilson stuff is like so, in the first 20 minutes of this movie, again, I'm watching it with my five-year-old. Yeah. I think Rebel Wilson is like, hey, I'm a domestic cat. Look at all I have. And she, like, shows that by, I'm pretty sure, just masturbating for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's licking herself and rubbing rubbing on her thighs. and it's, She's it's rubbing a... between her legs. Yeah. Look, I'm all for self-pleasuring, especially from cats, I guess. Like, I'm not, not trying to... <laughs> to shame uh cats for for self-pleasuring but it was a very odd to see suddenly in a pg movie about cats that like hold on i'm just gonna jerk off really quick now that all the cats have shown up to watch <laughs> the movie is so horny you're right it needs a val kilmer human to just come in and be like man <laughs> you, you can't suck I'm your god now. <laughs> if I could get my hands on one of those cats. Because um, there's a moment where, there's multiple moments where Jason Derulo is um, posited as a sexy cat. I think just the just the once. Is he in it? Like, he's barely in it after the Rum Tub Tugger song. <laughs> Which that song is roughly 30 minutes of the movie. He's uh, one of the, the, uh, the cats that wears clothes and then takes the clothes off, which... Uh, is very disturbing. Which is me. the inverse of what Rebel Wilson does, which uh, she zips off twice her fur to reveal clothes and actual fur. Yeah. So she is wearing a cat costume over a cocktail dress over her actual cat fur. I winced so hard at that sequence because in my at that point I had been so disturbed and frightened by this movie. And I'm not being... I'm not, I am not being facetious here. Like, the movie actually was giving me that, you know, that evolutionary reaction that some people have to centipedes or spiders? Like, I know I do to centipedes or, or, or you know, like, uh, some people have that with, like, clustered holes, like, um, that, that sort of, like, uh, that, 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 that id-level reaction to something where you're just, you just want to soak it in kerosene and throw a match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had that to... Anytime that the animals meowed, 
anytime they did something that was supposed to be cat-like or sexy yeah. cat-like, anytime they skittered on the ground, my, my I actually... It- I, I, I like winced in my seat and like I would make I would I would cringe up the way you would if like a fucking like uh like an Amazonian centipede crawled across your room, you know, like the 12 inch ones. <laughs> yeah, I guess it hit me in that like uh weirdly empathetic way where it definitely made my skin crawl. But it, it did it made it crawl in that way that like, oh, my gosh, like. This person doesn't know that what they're doing is incredibly embarrassing. <laughs> like, and I, I'm not being sarcastic. Like, when they're like all like pushing their faces, like yes, yes, it's like oh, guys, yeah, like, like no, you guys probably were like, I'm gonna do this really well, and you guys are trying your best, but ultimately, you didn't know what it was gonna look like with the CGI, <laughs> and then, like, I felt, I feel like legitimately bad for how it feels like they're. They're trying to make the big movements of a Broadway play, which is like, which you can get away with a little more than you can under a like, no one in the back is going to have trouble seeing this, guys. Like, it's the camera zoomed in, so you don't have to overact to um, to make sure everyone like gets what you're emoting, and then to what they were all going to fucking look like while they were doing it. And both of those things just made me feel like, oh, make it stop. You're, you're embarrassing yourselves and you don't realize it. And that's hard to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, I, how, it, that's I, how it hit me. I didn't even recognize. So I, I will say something to compliment the CGI. Um, I didn't even recognize the actors and the CGI as separate entities. Like I, I just saw it as one singular abomination one singular horrifying thing so much of the time their faces are like bouncing away from their necks uh that's why i called them all scorpion kings and also whenever they dance they look like if someone was like uh hey robert patrick mid transformation in uh terminator 2 bust a move yeah and i like i understand like it's it's really the dancing is i think the the part where it's like oh interesting like yeah. our cgi our cgi technology has not figured out how to replicate popping and locking and like it can't do eyeballs it can't do it and it can't do pop and locking and let me just say when taylor swift shows up and a few different cats show up that have very like sleek tight outfits um uh, the, 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 to misquote Harris Whittles, uh, these cats have tits in all the wrong places. <laughs> they have cute nippleless human breasts. Some of them. That's what's so weird. They, they, I think they were successfully able to hide the breasts of certain actors, or the suit was able. Maybe like they had like a they had like a sport band or something that could that could hold back. Here, so here's what's so confusing. Yeah, is that some of the some of the women cats, the girl cats or whatever, have are like don't have where human breasts are because cats famously and most animals don't don't have don't have don't have breasts. They don't have no. cats. Famously, do not have tigos. No, I mean they do have a milking apparatus uh, similar to human breasts, but they're in a very different location. Yeah, I'm not saying they so, can't feed their young, Aaron. It's just not an a, a, a me anatomically knocking the concept of a cat. I'm just saying yeah. cats don't got dumb tigos. <laughs> no, they should just have lines of nipples down their entire chest, uh, <laughs> theoretically. So, so the fact that some cats are women cats. 
uh, are uh, are like are like they were like, well, we're just gonna make them <laughs> flat like a cat, and some are like. We're going to have some, some, like, partial titties in there. This scene's supposed to be sexy. It's incredibly weird. Like, you either need to just be like, the girl cats have, like, they're they're sexy cats with boobs. Like, that's what they are. Or you need to be like, we're going to CGI smooth out. All of the all of the human parts of them because they're cats. You can't have it. You can't split the difference and be like, <laughs> well, if I'm supposed, to, if I'm feeling horny, I'm gonna leave them in, and if I'm not, they're right out. <laughs> it, you're right. They they do things in this movie that are splitting the difference. Um, that I I just don't think I I just don't think should be allowed uh, under the eyes of God. Yeah, sometimes they're like, well, this isn't a sexy song, so yeah. what does it need? We'll just CGI flatten them. I, and then other times it's like, ah, it's Taylor Swift, though. Yeah, Someone's going to get turned on by this. She's <laughs> doing a sexy thing. So, yeah, leave them on. Make them bigger. <laughs> also, McCavity, bigger and furrier. McCavity is like a splinter cell to the cult because he believes in their uh, their ideology. He just thinks that he can bureaucratically cheat his way in. And he has... A throng of followers. Taylor Swift is not a character of agency in this movie. She is a a, a, a sub cult member to McCavity who comes in on, on a moon uh, doing sex stuff and drugging everyone with catnip. Uh, and then, oh, also watching them similar to the meowing. The meowing really gets under my skin. Like I, I, I was this movie made me more uncomfortable than I would say ninety percent of horror movies I've watched in the past two years. Um. I think I think it's likely that this movie would make you more uncomfortable than the porn version of it. Oh my god, the porn version would just be it would just be a furry thing, which I can respect. I can I can let them have their thing, and yeah. it would be and you know <clears throat> I saw you'd be like, I, oh, I get it. It's two humans, yeah, that are fucking each other in cat costumes. I understand that. Uh, I've seen Where this ain't Avatar Triple X. I saw that weird thing where, where April O'Neil pleased all four Ninja Turtles in full costume, <laughs> and they painted their dicks green. I get it. <laughs> I, I, I can understand that certain people have a, a sexual associations with animals, but also sometimes the role play is separate from sex. It's not necessarily that you're interested in animal sex organs. But the thing is, I think a porno version of this would be more respectable because... Any time that anybody would be like, all right, well, we're going to have a long sequence uh, involving... At least, at least you know when the movie wants you to be turned on in the porn. Yes, version. yes, I would know. I'd be able to click to the tramway of the movie. Uh, whenever the movie, if you were in a porno and you were making a porno, let's say, and uh, they were like, no, we should do... Spend the first hour introducing characters. And you're like, well, do people have – do the cats have sex with each with each of these new characters? You're like, absolutely not. No sex until the third act. <laughs> You'd be like, well, what the fuck? Absolutely not. So, like, introducing new characters in a porno for the cat – the main cat, Victoria, to have sex with as she goes would be uh, a, a, a respectable it's, it's more structural structure. Yeah, it's more structurally sound. Yeah, there's th- fine. I have two more things, and then we, we need, just need to be done with this. Uh, All right. So, what's what's the guy's name? The dumb guy who 
who hosts the late night talk shows in this movie. Oh yeah, James, James Corden. Corden. He's like uh he's like if if uh if if Jimmy Fallon wasn't even uh didn't even have enough personality to be loathsome. Uh yeah, he's kind of like what if Jimmy Fallon hadn't been on a show that was good. <laughs> he's, he James Corden's personality is is this I can be nice to celebrities, which is the con- the concept of all late night talk shows, every single one. Uh, and I have a gentle British accent. That's the whole. Thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's not. I can't believe anyone watches that show. I've seen one episode. And I'm like, I don't. What is this? Like, this is the late night edgy spot too. Like, that seems like he should be doing a show at two in the afternoon. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, so at one point, so he's a trash cat. His whole thing, he shows up and he sings about how he loves just eating garbage. Um, Big fan. It's in between songs about other people and what they do as a cat. At one point, he falls on a garbage can in, and it hits his legs. My, my daughter correctly pointed out that uh, he had hurt his pee-pee. Um, <laughs> it's true. That's what she said. Um you're like, technically, and, uh, I think he's holding his cloaca, but continue. But yeah, so I uh, – do you think that joke was in the, the the musical? Do you think there's a joke about like – again, speaking of like confusing human body parts that they've decided sometimes to put on cats, uh, did, did this cat just have an ow my balls moment? Like did this cat get, get, get hit in the balls? Do you remember – do you remember when Rebel Wilson came out of like you know she emerged as a as an actor and we and a, a, a lot of folks were excited because I still like her in a lot of movies like in Pitch Perfect and stuff um, and she was she was okay yeah. in whatever that not it's not a romantic comedy whatever that movie was called a few years ago yeah nothing I think the Rebel Wilson hate is weird yeah I don't think James Corden or uh, I, I think James Corden and Jason Derulo are far more loathsome loathsome people um, but the uh, when she came out, I remember thinking it was so fun to see someone who was, uh, you know, a larger person who was funny as fuck. I'm proud where be- this is going with why, why you think this one cat has testicles and, 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 and was willing to make, uh, make jokes embracing their size, but not necessarily in a, uh, fatty fall down manner. And, uh, the the fact that this movie is nothing but uh, fat and clumsy jokes for at James Corden and uh, at Rebel Wilson's expense is uh, is the only time that I felt any emotion resembling sympathy. The way that you were talking about earlier, like oh yeah, I felt really bad for these poor actors. I actually felt like bad for like James Corden and and, and Rebel Wilson. Something that I never thought I'd feel for James Corden because I was like, you guys are actual entertainers who have like you know jokes. And sh- like, I don't think James Gordon's funny, but actual jokes and pipes and shit like you can sing. And instead, you're in this movie just debasing yourself. No. See, here's what I think. This is what re- and I could be wrong. I've done no research. A bunch of people could immediately prove me wrong. that I've seen cats. But remember, he does like a CGI flop onto a giant human sized garbage can. So there's no way they do that exactly in the play. Right. Like he's probably jumping into like half side. So. The idea that he that in the play someone hits their ball suddenly seems unlikely for an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. So I I think that and I doubt that the person who adapted it was like, let's have him hit his balls a little bit. Um, 
I think that's a James Corden ad lib that they kept in. Thank you for scrubbing a- the last ounce of sympathy I had for most of these. That's characters. what I mean. I don't like. I can't imagine that that was in the original version or someone wrote it into this. That seems like James Corden being like, "Hey guys, like if I'm gonna fall in, what if I, you know, right in the testicles?" Uh, and everyone's like, "James, you are a star." You do, do you, what you think. You follow your instincts. That's what we. Why we wanted to get these big stars. Add some to that that English clever uh, humor. Do you this. think though? I think you're right. Do you think? Do you think though? At some point, they were like, "This movie is dark and terrifying." This movie famously had big, expensive reshoots. Do you think at some point they were like, "This movie is dark and terrifying." Let's make these two characters pop more as comedic voices, and then they just yeah. made both of them do embarrassing, awkward shit for like another few, like six weeks yeah. of filming. Yeah, and you then eventually, the like one of the two yeah. ball bash gags made it in. Yeah, you play with your privates, you hurt your privates, done, yeah. break, yeah. all done. The last thing I got to say is that near the end of this movie, um, there is a uh, song by one of the characters who's been there the whole time. I don't think I knew his name until this song. His name's Shimbleshanks. Apparently, Skimbleshanks is some sort of railway cat. Now, that's what I was going to talk about, Peter, because I didn't realize that for most of the movie. No mention of railways. And then at the end, he just is like, I'm a train cat. My song's about how I like trains. I've been the whole movie, but now I'm talking about trains with you. Train cat. I'm a train cat. And I thought he was just a hobo that traveled the train lines, but they make very clear that he serves a, a service to the trains by eating the mice on the trains. I'm a train cat. That's not how the song goes, but that those are the lyrics, pretty much. I wrote them down. Big old just, train cat going train, train, train cat. Boo-boo, train cat. Um, <laughs> so, like, Good. all this stuff, it always is like, uh, what if we have a guy sing about being a train cat? Sure. Hey, Peter, that is one of the several cats I learned about, <laughs> so I hope you don't have anything mocking to say about my education. So, I, I, I understand that in this movie, cats Choo-choo. are bipedal. That's, Sometimes. you know, like, walk around, and then when they are feeling more cat-y... They, they scuttle and uh, shake me to my bones. Um, I think if this were real life, if a real life cat started to tap dance and tap his little toes against the, the rail to make music, I think all the other cats would surround him and savage him to death. They would claw <laughs> at his throat. He, this would be a dead cat immediately. They would see him for what he is, uh, which is a usurper of the of the uh, of the laws of God and man, uh, and they would declare some sort of catwa on them as a cat fat. Yeah, I think I think that's right, Peter. Uh, let's play a quick game where we uh, guess what fictional characters in movies favorite song in cats was. So very quickly, I'll start random one off the top of my head. Peter, uh, you seen the movie A Mighty Wind? Uh, yeah, of course I have. Great movie. Catherine O'Hara's husband, what do you think his favorite song in Cats was? He's really into model trains. <laughs> <laughs> um, he would probably be, uh, I would say, his favorite song would be Rail- Railway Cat. Is that the name of the song? Uh, probably. It's probably called Shimble Spanks. Skimby Skimby That is definitely his porn name. <laughs> Should we go through what all their porn names are? Shimble Spanks. <laughs> Some like uh Rumple Teaser. It's fine. We just call it Rumple Teaser. 
who sings a song with, I think, someone named Mango Jerry. <laughs> oh, good old Mango Jerry. My apologies. Someone someone listening to this podcast has been like, you're fucking it's Skimble Shimble Shanks. Shanks. You think his name is Shimble Shanks? No, it's Skimble Shanks. And you know how I know that the name of that song is called Skimble Shanks, <laughs> the Railway Cat. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was halfway there to the title of the song. I did call it the Here, song. The let me, let me name some quick songs uh, very quick, and then we're going to end it. So, Peter, really quick, as we wrap up Cats, which was your favorite song? I'm going to list all of them. Jellica songs for Jellica Cats, no. The Naming of Cats, The Invitation no. to the Jellica Ball, The Old Gumby Cat, forgot Keep about going. the Gumby Cat, The Rum Tum Tugger, <laughs> Rizabella, Bustafer Jones, we forgot about Bustafer. Oh no, Bustafer is James Corden. Yeah, he's uh, the uh, Jones Street James Street Cat. Yeah, M- Mungo Jerry. One word, so it's not Mango Jerry. It looks like Mungo Jerry. Old Deuteronomy. These are song names. I'm not reading the cast list. That's because as half you can the tell. movie is introducing characters. Of course, it's just called the Jellicle Ball, Grizabella, the Glamour Cat, Memory, the Moments of Happiness slash Memory, Gus Colin, the Theater Cat. Why? Why are half of them? Comma, and then their fucking name. Why does Gus get a colon? Because uh, no one Grow, knows who Gus is. Growl Tiger's Last Stand. Oh, Growl Tiger no. is Ray Wise. Oh, that's, yeah. Ray Winstone. Ray Winstone, yeah. Ray Winstone. Yeah. A fucking, a, a champ of uh, British British genre movies. Uh, has to slum it in cats before he gets murdered by the dumbest cat Oh, you're Growl Tiger. Oh, who cares? Uh, Skimble Shakes, The Railroad Cat, McCavity, Mr. Mistopheles. Again, these are song titles. N- song 19 out of 22 is a, another character they're introducing. Uh, memory... The journey to Heaviside Lair and the addressing of cats, which starts with the immortal line, you've heard about several cats. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the answer is the only good song in the musical. The only great song is is Memory, the last version. I think uh, I gotta listen to a Mungo Cherry and Rumble Teaser one more time. Yeah. <laughs> See if maybe that one uh, is better and uh, than Memory. Yeah, considering it, it it mostly exists as a horrifying uh, a horrifying white noise layer in my brain, I think I can uh, I can live without knowing who Mumble Jerry is. <laughs> um, can you imagine if? Uh, it's like if West End Story, all the songs were like Officer Krupke, <laughs> Sergeant Tommy, <laughs> Carl the Desk Clerk. <laughs> the, whole, the whole musical is just introducing all the characters. Yeah. And then at the end, it, how do you shot. solve a problem like Maria is just called Maria? It's Maria. How do you Maria, s- Maria what colon, the hell's her problem? problem? Have her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's about it. Uh, yeah yeah this movie made my my fucking skin crawl uh this is uh, putting it as like worst movie ever bad movie like all that all that kind of like uh it sort of simplifies the horror i think it's actually worth watching if you want to if you have seen cats i think it's probably worth watching because i can't imagine this is a good adaptation maybe that's what people are laughing is because they were they were familiar with the source material enough to not spend the first hour confounded instead they were more like I understand what they're trying to do. Yeah. If Why you saw a West Side Story way? adaptation where, like, the sharks are wearing shark costumes versus actual jets and, like, they shoot the movie, like, yeah, that they're, they're anthropomorphic jets fighting actual sharks in the ocean, you'd be like, well, I gotta fucking see that. 
That sounds insane. How yeah, could you it would definitely be an asylum movie. Sharks, sharks v jets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, this is it for Musical May. This came this came out in June, but this is all you get for 2020. 2021, there's actually, I think we got a couple, I think it might be back, Peter. 2021 is full of fun. 2022, how do you do? 2023, la-dee. You, you sound like you're naming <laughs> songs for a musical called Years. <laughs> 2024 the year's a bore (laughs) i'm still watching marvelous miss Maisel, and it's getting a little bit more embarrassing every season that goes on but this season there was a lot of uh there was a lot of characters going ha 1960 huh please don't do this please don't do this oh you're almost gonna fuck lenny bruce that's what that's gonna be a thing in a show on amazon uh yeah so you already know what's coming next week if you listen to last week's episodes it's under siege month. Uh, we're going to start. This was a surprise, hopefully, to, to your chagrin. Because uh, next week we're talking about Rio Bravo, which is a movie that people like. Yeah. To kick off our under siege month. But for now, may I wish you, Peter. Meow. Yes. Meow. Yes. That means good night in gats. Scratching at the screen door. Kenny O. Scratching at the screen door. Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>